What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speaking with you now. Family, I got somebody that's going to help you take your media uh, enterprise to another level. Uh, somebody who not only has a proven record of success uh, when it comes to brand building, but somebody who is, uh, you know, uh, very well known in the nerd sci-fi comic book space. I'm talking about uh, the young lady, the force of nature, known as the blurred girl, Karima Horn. How you doing? Good. Yay, you did it. I did it, yes! I finally got somebody's name pronounced correctly. And thank you for the little phonetic thing. That was a big help. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I reached out to you because I saw you was kind of doing this little, uh, you know, another enterprise. I mean, not only are you doing, you know, of course, the, you know, the website and, you know, thanks to you, I was hip to a lot of the uh, West African comic book creators. I didn't even know they was putting out books until I, I, oh, yeah. I, I wanted on your site and I saw some of the uh, uh, some of the people. So I want to thank you for that. Um, not only that, you're interviewing folks, you are, uh, you know, you got the merch thing, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. Um, is it true you're selling Amway? Is that true? That's cute. Nope, nope, I'm not selling Amway. Not don't, selling Amway. don't tell, give me in trouble. No. <laughs> all right. So, so. No, you, no Amway, no Shackley, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. No Girl Scout cookies. I know right. you got Girl Scout cookies. My favorite is no, mint. I buy them, but I do not sell them because the, I would, they would never, I would literally just, be, I'd be 800 pounds. I literally would just buy all the cookies and eat them myself. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, it sounds like you're taking, you know, all of your experience and you're, you're are you spinning it off into a, a consulting business? Is that the deal? That is, um, yeah, that's basically what Thailand, in a layman's, in a layman's, you know, in layman's terms. Yeah. I mean, basically <laughs> it seems confusing, but, um, Blurred Girl is my main brand, mm -hmm. and that is kind of what I built out of this, like, hey, I like comics, and people keep talking about diversity in comics, but there's a lot of diverse creators and a lot of diverse, like, comic book characters that are already here that I, I think a whole generation, and I'm going to say the Marvel Cinematic Universe generation, okay. doesn't realize existed. So that's why I started Blurred Girl. I did not realize it would explode. I did not realize it would blow up. Um, and when it started to blow up, I decided to brand it some more. Now I've had other websites. Um, I have another website. I've come from, I have a production background, a TV production background. And I basically, I have a site for that. Mm -hmm. I also used to have, um, a green healthy living site called Savvy Brown. It's still up. It's not being updated, but it's still up. And I learned a lot. Basically I was bringing all the things that I learned about branding social media and basically the stuff I love and bringing them together with Thailand because I kept giving people advice and giving people like helping people run Kickstarters and Indiegogos and mm -hmm. helping people build websites. I've built websites, I've written code and I just decided that this, I, to niche it down a little bit, um, I could help people by giving them, uh, a little bit information of what I know about being an entrepreneur about, cause I've been incorporated since 2005. Um, I've been an in independent contractor since then. Oh, wow. And I've, I have 
there are tons of ways to make money in this business um, of, I would say, black media, black comic book um, creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this age of now people actually paying attention to um, black creators. And I tell everybody in this age of Wakanda in the year of our Lord, T'Challa, son of T'Chaka, <laughs> that if you have there are companies out there now looking for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, Thailand and Thai is my middle name. Um, and the website is Thailand.com. And, and for funny. y'all who is slow like myself, Thailand, <laughs> it's a pun. Get it? Thailand. Okay, yeah, Thailand. <laughs> but it's spelled T-I-Y, which is what my middle name is, which I didn't tell you is, uh, Ankanan's, uh, uh, mother, basically King Tut's grandmother's name was Ty or T A. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's the lady the with name. the with the kind of like I, I see her face right now. She has a real uh, distinctive face. I got you. Yeah, all right. That's that's who I'm named after. Oh, that's why wow. I didn't. These are not made up made up names. This is what my mama named me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so these, let me let me key in on, on something that you said earlier. You said that you know you were doing this. You was working in this in this you know in this field or whatever. And then you said it peaked. Now, you know, did it, did it peak? Did it explode with, you know, the Black Panther movie or was it building? I mean, when, when did it peak? Was it last year? Was it a year before? You've been grinding since you said 2005. It's funny that you say peak because I always think if you hit a peak, it means now you're on the downturn. You're coming down the other side. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I haven't peaked yet. Or if, or if we're going to look at it in business terms, you have like, your rises and falls if you're looking at that 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 rate so i would say the first time i made a blip on the uh on the scene was when i wrote an article called um and it was funny because blurred girl started on tumblr and then i moved it over to i bought a domain and i moved it over to blurgirl.com and it was funny because the night before the night that i was doing the move an article of mine called 25 reasons why you're not making any money at comic-con blew up oh wow and it was it blew up because uh, different artists picked it up and ran with it, and social media picked it up and ran with it, and then major sites picked it up. And it was basically because people all over the place were commenting on it, and, the, and it literally was a list. But I was also talking about it not just as a person who brands things, but as a person who is a comic book lover. Mm-hmm. And it was like you go to cons and you're an artist, but you look down at your table the entire time. Mm -hmm. Now I get that many times there are people that are doing commissions and things like that, but if there's any way to bring somebody with you, you can look up every now and then. Mm -hmm. And you know, in this age of, like I said, it's the, the, a lot of people are getting into comics because they're going to the movies first. They're not reading the comics first. Mm. So that you saying to them, like, why don't you know who, you know, Wolverine is, or why don't you know who that person is? You're losing a sale. Mm. So, hey, take the time to maybe educate them on comic books or maybe your character and you might make a sale, you know. So there's just different things. And then just basic stuff like don't be a jerk. Always bring, <laughs> you know, you know, bring always have a credit card reader handy. Buy your own MiFi, mm-hmm. you know, so that you have access because everybody knows that the Wi-Fi that's inside of most convention centers sucks. Mm-hmm. So it was like giving all that kind of advice. Then. Okay. The second time I kind of blew up a little bit and then had to buy. And what more. year was that comic book uh, con uh, article? That was two, uh, 2016. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not long ago. And then um, 
last year I had a post blow up when I basically was talking about how Marvel was getting diversity wrong. And it was basically, uh, it was about, um, it was called Riri, Rhodey, Riri and base and reskinning and how Marvel is getting diversity wrong. And it was basically about how we keep Marvel in particular, but DC does this too. And other comic book companies do this too. Kept killing off characters uh, black characters or reskinning them, like they killed off Rhodey in the that's, comics. That sounds painful. What do you mean well, by reskinning? Well, reskinning is if there's a character that was white that they that make black, or okay, if the character is male that they make female. So Thor, um, Hulk, Hulk became Korean. There was a, a Superman that became Chinese. Mm-hmm. There were there were just a bunch of different ways they did this because they have their stock characters. Right. And then they decided, hey, we want to get on this diversity thing, DCU, <laughs> stuff like that. We, we need a gimmick, baby. We need right. a gimmick. So, <laughs> right. So you have Riri Williams. You name her after. And they swear they didn't do this. But, like, it's, you know, Serena Williams and... You know, Rihanna were really big, and then all Are of a sudden serious? they got a comic book character called Riri Williams. I was like, I don't think that that's a coincidence. <laughs> so, so let, me, let me let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. So years ago, I was a art director at a publishing house that did like boxing and wrestling magazines. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember sitting in the uh, the CEO's office with a sales guy. I was I forget what I was talking to the guy, whatever. But um, the sales guy came in there. So back then I was what? I was, uh, I guess I was like late twenties, maybe mm-hmm. early thirties. And uh, and so you know the CEO was fifty, the salesman was in his forties, both white guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know, suburbs, the whole bit. I think back then it was like King of Pressure or something. It's like a oh lord out there in Philly, you know, way out, yeah. way out. out. Well, that's not Philly. That's Pennsylvania. I'm kidding. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> So, um, so anyway, long story short, uh, I forget what the, what transpired per se, but they were talking about, hey, the, the salesman was pitching this comic, um, and he said, listen, man, we're going to have some, you know, black kid and a white kid, and they're going to be talking all that jive talk, you know, like they do the street language, you know, and then we're going to, you know, push these sneakers, you know, kind of thing. Oh, the kids will love it, man. The kids in the street, that's like the exact language that guy was using. Yep kind of a thing and i'm trying to remember what popped it off but it was obviously something out in the media fear that was making some money that had a black face on it and they wanted to capitalize and so when you told me that riri thing it immediately popped that into mind i was like okay because to me the only real diversity is ownership i own my shit and you support me and we diverse but this reskinning you talking about, I, 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 it's, it's not going to last. I got you. Go ahead. Well, that, and that was exactly what I was saying. And then the other thing that I was always also met with was, you know, well, we I get hit with a lot with um, basically the fact that there's, oh, we don't have any black, I, there are no black female comic book writers. And one of the things I brought out in that article was, this is ridiculous. Like everybody keeps saying, you there had there was a great run in Marvel on the Bakian family, the Anwen Bakian family, and there were that it was great. It was part of Secret Wars, and it was this amazing black family, and I loved it, and I and I did like the comic, but I said, yo, why um are there no black people working on this at all? Mm. You know, and then I also brought out just some other comics that you know didn't have black female writers, and what was really interesting is. 
I wrote this article a month before they announced Roxanne Gay was going to write Black Panther. And so I, I was saying that in oh. its entire year history, Marvel had never had a black female writer. Uh-oh. DC had had two, um, and, Felicia Henderson, who actually most people know now as the creative, uh, the, the showrunner and the writer and creator of, um, I was about to say the yard. That's so funny. <laughs> the quad, um, the quad, which just got canceled, but she's been, she was writing comics first. Um, she wrote Static Shock. She wrote a, a few different, um, oh, titles. And she was the, yeah, she was the first black female to write comics for a major company. And that was at DC. Um, Under Milestone. It was actually before Milestone. I named one of the comics she did at Milestone, but she did one before that from oh. for DC. Wow. Um, so she, so she was around. Um, so, so, so Karma, so Karma, you put the pressure, you put the pressure on him. You put the pressure okay. on him. I don't think I put the pressure on him because I think they already had hired her. You but think? I, the, what I did tell them was that they were out of excuses. Mm. I said, listen, um, cause you know, they hire people six, 10 months in advance. There's no way they saw my article and said, go get Roxanne Gay. I, I guarantee you they didn't do that. But I did hear from people that worked at Marvel and I had people tell me this later that several people at, in Marvel had seen that article and were surprised because I listed, I didn't just complain that there were no black female writers. I gave them a list. Oh, wow. I gave them a list of over 25 it was about 30 different black women that either had written comics or written web, co- web comics mm-hmm. that were active. Wow. And you'd be surprised how many people questioned me, including black people. They were like, but are they really good, though? But can you really buy them? Like, yeah, look them up. Well, where can I find them? Google? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just really weird. Um, But that was the other thing that got really big. Um, now, was and- Ro- Roxanne Gay on that list? Roxanne Gay hadn't written a comic. That was the interesting part about it. I I basically gave a list of people who had physically written comics, not just black women who were writers, but specifically black women who had written comics. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. And I knew they probably would do this because they did this with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates had never written a comic before. But what they wanted was a – personally, what I think they wanted – by and I think this is nothing against Tanahasi Coates or Roxane Gay because I think both of them are amazing writers. But what Marvel slash Disney was looking for was a black writer that would have crossover appeal. So if this person, this wh- whoever they picked, was a New York Times bestseller or you know Pulitzer Prize winning or whatever award winning uh, writer. They could put that when you think of marketing and publicity, they could put that in front of their name uh-huh. and maybe mainstream audiences would accept them because of that title in case they weren't going to accept them because they were black or, or whatever. So hmm. and that's that's what mainstream marketers do a lot. Let's make this palatable to the mainstream audience. The problem that I think a lot of comic book companies have been having, Marvel and DC included, is that they don't realize that their audience isn't all white people anymore. So I think they learned their lesson now. I mean, obviously, like with Black Panther and a bunch of other things, but that was one of that was the other 
basically article that blew up. And then I got a lot more interest in like being able to interview. And I've actually had people ask me to write comics, but that's not my thing. That's not my, as I tell people, that's not my ministry. <laughs> my ministry. That's not my ministry. I, there are people out there that want to write comics and that's great, but I really have more fun reading them, yelling about them and finding the gems, which I feel like, you know, are comics that pe- not that many people might be talking about. Um, or artists that people don't know. Like I remember um, people, you know, yelling about somebody. And I don't remember the name of the person that wrote this article, but somebody was talking about Power Man and Iron Fist and how come they couldn't get a, you know, black artist to work on it. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and it dawned on me that nobody, not many people had seen Sanford Green. And, mm. and Sanford, Sanford Green is a dark skinned black man. Like there's no question that he is black man. Mm-hmm. But I remember having that conversation with Brian Selfries, who's the artist on, uh, who was the artist on Tanahasi Coach's run. He said, yeah, for years I was just an artist and now I'm a black artist. Wow. And I found that very interesting because it's sort of a catch 22. Um, as much as, as much as we are talking about diversity in the comic book space, there, there is, after a while, many times black artists can get pigeonholed. And I did mention this in one of my posts. I said, I'm not saying only black people draw black characters, but if you're going to have a character that you clearly are claiming is diverse and you want more black people to buy, wouldn't it be nice to have a person of color like in there writing them or mm-hmm. editing them? Okay. Um, oh, okay. So that- I, I got to stop you. I got to stop you. I got to stop yeah. you. couple points. Uh, one, it's, you know whether or not um, you think so. I do think that you put the the fire to the to the big two with your with your articles and so forth. Um, that point you made about the marketing appeal that does sound like a Disney move. Think and, about it. And I couldn't. I could, yeah, because it doesn't sound that doesn't sound like something that DC or Marvel would do like before. You nope. know they got gobbled up. You know no, they were just okay. This is dying. Disney. Let's bring yeah. Christopher Priest in to somebody resurrect it, you know, kind of a thing, you know, um, you know, but. But Christopher Priest doesn't want Christopher Priest won't do uh, right for black characters anymore. He said it. Oh, wow. that's why that's why he's a Deathstroke. Wow. The, the, the reason why he disappeared after Black Panther is because everybody kept offering him black characters. And he said, I will not do another comic unless you give me a white or non-black character. And they came back to him with Deathstroke, and he he asked him how much it was, and he was like, "Done, let's do it." People don't realize that, but Christopher Priest is like, "Yeah, don't talk to me about Black Panther." Wow, I didn't know that. Because, but I'm not. You you also have to look at it from his perspective. When he did Black Panther, there wasn't social media, and there wasn't all this massive love for the character. Mm-hmm. We look at it now as a defining moment in the Black Panther pantheon. Uh, you know, writers, but when he was doing it, he didn't get that much love. And then after that, even though it was a successful run, mm-hmm. think about Christopher Priest's run. He basically um, wrote it. He, I don't know. Do, do you remember reading the comic at all? Vaguely, um, vaguely. I know okay. that he introduced the Dormelage. Is that correct? Uh, he reintroduced them. I would say them. that, okay. I would say that, um, I would say that they were around a little bit before that, but yeah, he kind of, and the way he introduced them, they didn't look the way they look now. Okay. Um, but uh, Ross, he told, he told Black Panther's story through Everett Ross's eyes. That's the white guy. Right. That's okay. the, that's, that's the, um, shield guy gonna, or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say Hobbit. 
Because <laughs> that, right, actor, right, right. that exactly. actor was in The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, that character he created to make Black Panther more palatable. So it's funny because I was just having this conversation today about wow. respectability, about respectability politics with somebody. And I was saying that's like the ultimate respectability politics. Let me bring you a major black character who's the king of a black country, but I'm going to package it in a way that you, the white audience, will accept. And that was through the eyes of Everett Ross. So most of Christopher Priest's run of Black Panther was told through, narrated by Ross. Wow. Not all of it, but a lot of it. So, but when he got off that, you know, run, it was successful, but then they offered him other things and he was like, I need, I'm not going to just keep doing black people. Mm-hmm. Like I can write other things. And he, he, it, there's, you can Google that. There's other, I'm not making this up. There's other interviews where he said this. No, so, this is, this is amazing. I feel like I'm getting like the inside, the, the, the shop talk right here. Um, <laughs> But you, one of the reasons why he came back to Deathstroke uh-huh. was, and was, it was not a. When you say Deathstroke, character. do you mean Deadpool? No, no, Deathstroke. Um, did, did you see, um, did you see Justice League? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I mistakenly wandered into the theater. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You can't get that two, two and a half hours back, can you? No. no. Did, did, did you remember the after credit scene? Um, he was on the boat. And, and Homie came up with the uh, cosplay costume on. Yeah, sure. The cosplay costume Slade. Yes, that Slade Wilson is, and people mix him up with Wade Wilson, who was Deadpool. Right. But Slade Wilson is Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. And see, he is, see, you know, Teen Titans effed up my childhood. Yeah. You, you see <laughs> what I'm saying? Because that's the last comic book subscription I bought. Uh, this might be, you know, the age difference. It might be before your time, but <laughs> with, no. with, with they, uh, <laughs> When, when, cause Slade, that's, I think it was the late eighties when, when comics stopped being for kids and I won't get off into a little rant, but yeah, so I remember Slade and then the, 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 they turned a a corner early nineties. Slade and then the terror girl was having, and she was like a teenager and then, you know, all this, they just, they just, they just went in a whole different, it turned into a soap opera instead of a comic about bangs at pow. But um, let me let me move on here because you know I wanted to spec your time. You mentioned um, you know, like uh, there was a peak and then, then things exploded in terms of the awareness of the the talent, the awareness of an audience for this kind of material. Why do you think Black Panther was such a tremendous success? The movie. Um, Ryan Coogler. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, and here's the thing, um. I don't have his name in front of me, but I actually probably, I know there's video of me somewhere that someone's going to pull up with me saying this, but when they first announced Black Panther, I wasn't happy about it mm-hmm. because there were no black people involved at first. I, oh, for and, real? And, no, no, no. But yeah, before Joe Cole got it, people don't remember this. Remember when they were first looking for a director and Ava DuVernay's name came up? And yeah, there was all I that back and forth about Ava. Yeah. But at that time, Joe Cole hadn't signed on yet. Mm-hmm. There was another writer, there's a white writer that had done the first draft. And I was like, y'all, I, I'm not, I know y'all are excited because you're seeing your childhood, but this is, this is not good. Right. And then they switched it up. After they got Kugler, he brought in Joe Cole and he also co-wrote it. And I believe, and I don't have this, I'm still looking for this information. I don't have it. I don't know it for a fact, but I'm almost positive. 
that Ryan Coogler has in his contract final a final edit clause, mm-hmm. which means that after the film is finished, it like that the director deems it done and is agreed to the final edit and everybody's agreed on it. The the distributor, I'm sorry, not the distributor, the um the production company or the the producers can't come back and do one more edit on it to make it more palatable, quote unquote, to audiences. Oh wow! So a lot, a so lot the of director's people, cut gonna be off the chain. Well, right. Well, and sometimes I don't think he's gonna have a director's cut because I think what he got was on the screen. I think what we are going to get though um are a lot of uh cut out scenes. Okay. Because um he did admit that the film was much longer. His initial cut was like 3 hours. Mm-hmm. And I had an interview with Denai Guerrero. Oh wow. And she told me that there is a there is a deleted scene between her and Wakabi. Um, okay. The and cuz I was like that the the scene between her and Wakabi and the Rhino, I was like, there's gotta be more there. She was like, yeah, no, it's on the edit floor. Hopefully it'll make it to the, to the, to the, uh, Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I fully, uh, think that it was Ryan Coogler. And then I also got to go to the, um, press junket for this, for mm-hmm. Black Panther. Yeah. And he thanked, um, Kevin Feige and, and his team for giving him the freedom. He said, cause they didn't, they could have stood over me and they didn't. Yeah. And they let him um, come back and they asked him, push the audience, I mean, push the envelope, push the envelope. We'll tell you if you've gone too far. And they never pushed him back. Wow. And then, and the, other, and the other reason why I'm going to say it's Ryan Coogler is because I got to interview a lot of the creative team. Like Hannah Beekler was his production designer. Yeah. She's, she was up for an Oscar for uh, Moonlight. Okay. I got to interview uh, Joe Cole, his co-writer, wow. as well as Ruth E. Carter, who was the costume designer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every single one of them could not stop praising Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. They said, like, he just let me do what I do. He didn't stand over my shoulder or whatever. And he really, from everything I've read about him and from what I was able to see at the press, at the, at the press conference, mm-hmm. he's a person who does all of his research before in pre-production. Oh wow. He researches, he researches people to the nth degree beforehand so that when he hires them, he can just let them do what they do. And all he has to do is just kind of guide the ship. So the he trust. The, of everybody. The trust. The yeah. trust is already there. Wow. Yeah. So, so he had this grand vision mm-hmm. and he and Hannah, Hannah came up with this huge Bible. Mm. This is what I want to get my hands on. Yeah. There is a gigantic, like 300 page tome. Woo! created for black panther that was their bible like this is the history of all the characters this is the world we're creating like he wow. created and then let them play in it if they published that that'd be another billion dollars that's what i'm saying like i want that book you know wow. so i personally believe that it was ryan coogler that is really the champion of this thing and now, that now i gotta stop you there i gotta stop you there mm-hmm. we can't look at anything out of context true okay this came out after Obama left office, mm-hmm. we got your boy in there. You know, I mean, I ain't going to talk disparaging about the cat. You know, the media is doing a good job of that. Do oh, you no, think I, that I the, call him the orange lantern? <laughs> That's messed up. Remember, remember the orange lanterns? The orange lantern of avarice was literally. Oh, the- oh, oh you got orange- levels. Okay. See, that's a double entendre, audience, ladies yes, and gentlemen. It is. The Orange Lantern of Avarice, people. Google it. That's, Look it that's, up. That's a double entendre. 
<laughs> so, um, so, uh, uh, damn, you got me on that one. Okay, so do you think that the, the, the political environment has anything to do? Do you think, or is it just Marvel's been building this up for 10 years and anything that, you know what I mean? Cause. Oh, no, no, no. I agree. No, like part of marketing is timing. Okay. And the timing was ripe because think about it. It wasn't just when it dropped. Mm -hmm. People have been like uh, when they announced that it was coming, the first trailer dropped. Goodness, the first trailer dropped for what was it? Three months before he was elected. Oh, for real? So we were already, yeah, we were already ripe. Like, it wasn't a full trailer. It was a teaser. I think the trailer itself dropped after he was in office. Okay. But the first teaser, the first inkling, the first time we saw him flip over and hit that car. Yeah. I think was about two to three months before he was in office. So we were already, the climate was already ripe because there was a lot of, you know, all the racial stuff going on, all of the... um they're all of the marches, Black Lives Matter, all of the things like black people have been looking for a release. Oh, you know, done, you, now look what you're doing. You know, you, you're deciphering the code. You better stop that. Uh, <laughs> so I think that that on top. And I, but at the same time, I think Kugler because when it. it when that trailer dropped, it seemed out of place because of all of the strife that was going every other day. I'm seeing somebody get shot up. You know, like you said, the marches and shit and all that kind of stuff. And then boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? It's like the joint drop. And it was like, well, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, it just, it looked so, it, it just seemed out of play. I mean, I was happy. You know, mother, I mean, people was, was, uh, uh, you know, crying on, 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 on I'm trying to clear up my language because I got oh, a no, lady on were, the program. No, but Nigga, they were. People was crying were, on, on, on the YouTube watching. Oh, no, this, they were. Thug you know tears. what I'm saying? I mean, thug so tears. maybe they that was that. Tears. <laughs> that release that you were talking about, people were yeah. so pent up. Wow. They were because, and then I knew people who like had, you would mention, you, you know, you kind of got out of comics a little bit in the late eighties, early nineties because yeah. they stopped being like superhero kind of yeah. things and tried uh-huh. to turn into soap operas. Yeah. There were people though who remember Black Panther from kids and they were like, no, this is, I've been waiting for this. Mm. I've been waiting for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, the full trailer dropped. Yeah. People lost their minds. Yeah, like yeah. I remember, I think I remember where I was when it dropped. <laughs> um, it was one of those moments and everybody, I think, but it, because it, it's a release. Now at the same time, we're just talking about Black Panther, but I j- just widen the scope a l- little bit and look at all the superhero shows that are on as well as movies that are out whether or not you know justice league was not great a bunch of people went to see it yeah. like a lot of people are looking for an escape look at all the x-men movies coming out we got new mutants there's three x-men shows on tv oh, there's wow. you know and then we've got even the you know black lightning and flash and mm-hmm. you know legends of tomorrow and all of these different superhero shows arrow everything People are looking for an escape. They're looking for a release. I mean, I know I do a lot of live tweeting mm-hmm. online and there are, it's huge. It's, mm. it's big. And, and, but I think Black Panther struck a chord because one, 
Like everybody, it was a huge build up to it. Yeah. I remember being very nervous before I went to see it. And I remember sharing this feeling with other people that were like, oh my God, this can't be bad. <laughs> just please God, do not let this be bad. This cannot be bad. We need this right now. We need this now. Like people praying yeah. as a, as the, as the, uh, as the previews are rolling, like please God, let this be oh, good. Wow. And so, so um, I got the American context. What about the international context? I mean, you couldn't be the same reasons why it popped the way it did. I mean, no, I think, uh, no, I mean, I think on top of that, it was just a good movie. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. It was actually a really good movie. But now, a billion dollars in 26 days? Yes, I can see that because I don't know a single person who I personally, and I, and I don't know that many people, but I don't, I've personally spoken to, so many people who have seen it multiple times. And I don't mean yeah. two or three times. I mean like five, six, seven times. Oh, wow. So, and then if you got people and families, like I know people who were like, yo, I had a bad day at work. I'm going to go see Black Panther again. Like, wow. like that. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Is so, Black Panther uh, African-American Star Wars? Because when Star Wars came out, the country was in a bad place. The, the, the Vietnam shit had popped off. It was strife in the country. And then when the when the Star Wars thing came, it kind of gave people one an escape, two instead of us, you know, identifying with the imp- with the Empire, which we was, we was identifying with the rebels. So it kind of gave us like a different sense of self. Do you think like Black Panther did that for Black people? Um, I think it did. And also to answer just your your previous question about internationally, yeah, I think that um, Black folks. African Americans in particular right. are in other countries look at African Americans all they they see us a lot in entertainment. Okay. And they are uh you know, we're magical to them. Gotcha. We're we're it's it's this other mystical world. So there's a lot of people of other cultures that are very interested in African Americans. Okay. Um I also think because of the hype here, mm-hmm. that hype spread because people were like, you know, even before it left this country, yeah. it was doing really, really well. And I think that bolstered it overseas. Also, if a movie is doing really well, again, marketing, mm-hmm. if a movie is doing really well, it's very easy to sell to another market because okay. people will see the money in it and they will go, oh, all right, what's well, making money? I will throw dis- distribution and advertising at this. Mm-hmm. Many times good movies don't do well because you didn't know about them until they were gone practically. Right, right, right. Because no one put the money into advertising. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So advertising, marketing, branding. What services do you plan to offer or are you offering uh, with Thailand Creative? Um, okay. So first of all, I um, Thailand Creative was set up as a consultancy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically – I consult and again most of the people that i talk to are artists and people who are already creating something like if you're like oh i want to start a business or i don't know what i want to do i'm not necessarily who can help you with that gotcha um but if you have a business or a or a book or a comic or you're an artist who's a freelancer and you're trying and you you're working really, really hard, but it doesn't seem like anybody is seeing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Then I can probably help you. Mm. Um, but because it's, I don't, 
it should not be me doing all the work for you. It should be you have this thing that you're in love with, this goal, this idea, this project, mm-hmm. and you're just not sure how to get it from point A to point B. Um, Rosarium Publishing actually hired me a couple of years ago in 2016, actually, oh, wow. to do a uh, Indiegogo campaign for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't run it as me. I ran it as them. So okay. basically online you saw Rosarium raising money and we basically raised about $40,000 on Indiegogo. Wow. To, okay. To get, cause the goal was to get them from print on demand, which is printing one book at a time, which can become very costly. Sure. To basically mass printing, which is more, the cost is more expensive at the front end, mm-hmm. but at the back end it's much more affordable. Okay. So it's that front end that we were trying to get over and it was, um, but it's one of those things. Um, I've also worked with um, PBS Media. I've worked individually, um, one-on-one, um, just talking people through like how to like. I have a Twitter account, I have a Facebook account, I have Instagram, but I don't understand which one I'm supposed to do. And do I also need Snapchat? Like, I've also like helped people narrow that down because not everybody needs everything. Uh huh. And. Facebook is changing every 15 minutes, although there's a lot of people getting off of Facebook now. Um, But actually, if you're using Facebook for a business, all the things that are happening now actually wouldn't affect you. It's the people that are giving all their personal information up there. And I know a lot of people who've gotten off of Facebook or Twitter because they're like, yeah, I can't handle it. I'm like, well, what exactly are you talking about? Because there is a way to engage with people and not necessarily like – People who are idiots, you can just kind of block. Like you don't have to accept every argument you're invited to. Um, so it's uh, it's about showing people how to do that. And how I, I mean, I, I tell everybody: if you're a writer, you should be on Medium, you know, writing and starting a blog for free. You know, if you don't want to literally pay to start your own blog, mm-hmm. get on Medium and just start writing, and you can easily tweet out or put on Facebook or whatever the things that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's free. If you are an artist, you you had best be on Instagram while it's still Instagram. free. Really? Absolutely. I thought Instagram artist, was just for girls in bikinis. No, you're on the wrong side of Instagram. I'm honey. on the wrong side. I took a left at You took a left at Hell's Kitchen. What you doing? <laughs> um no, it, if you are an artist, you really need to be on Instagram because um, if you are if you are a visual artist, meaning you work on a painted or drawn medium, if you are a makeup artist, I've hired several makeup artists off of Instagram alone. Oh wow! Um, if you are in fashion or you are, um, you know, you do hair things like that. If you do anything that can be visually represented, you had best be on Instagram. And there's ways for people to find you on there. But a lot of it is hard, you know, to navigate. You don't have to be on everything, but I do mm-hmm. suggest you be on more than one um, platform. And this is the kind of stuff I I offer. I'm so also let going. Me, let me let me let me slide a question in here. So Uh-oh. you know you that I'm most. Is that what this is? A freebie? I, you know I've been fighting it the whole time we've been talking. <laughs> so um, you know that I you know I focus on uh, you know comic book creators and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk to a lot of writers, a lot of artists. And um, I've been noticing, uh, you know, there's a pattern, you know. So you may have a person who can write, but they can't draw. So mm-hmm. they save us some bread. They hire somebody maybe to do like a, a concept. 
you know, like a couple of, you know, posters or whatever, and then they do a Kickstarter. Or mm -hmm. they'll hire somebody in over several months because, you know, we pan, you know, from the W-2, you know, mm -hmm. then they'll do the first book or something, whatever. Is there a better way? Like, have you seen some formulas that work? Is it always a concept and then an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter or pay for the first issue out of pocket? You know, um, the first I have seen, um, I will say this. The number one mistake I see people in crowdfunding make uh -huh. is um, not having a business plan. Thinking like, I'm going to go out here, I'm going to raise some money, I'm going to do my comic. Yeah. What does that mean? What does okay. that mean? How many issues are you going to do? Once you get it made, are you going to have to kickstart every issue? If you oh, are, that's wow. okay. There's, pe there's people that do that, but I, there's a way to do that as well. Uh -huh. Where are you selling it? Are you only selling it online? Are you, do, are you trying to get into comic book shops? If so, why are you trying to start with a, you know, why are you trying to kickstart a $10,000 hardcover TPB? Why aren't you trying to do a 20, like two 22 page floppies that you can actually then take the rest of the money and put into marketing to get into a store? Oh, wow. Why? Why are you so basically it, it's it's people not having a plan and just saying I have a Kickstarter and we're going to raise money for the comic. The other mistake I see people making is not understanding how Kickstarter and Indiegogo deliverables work. Mm -hmm. Like if you've given if you've like I'm selling T-shirts and I'm selling this and I'm selling whistles and I'm going to sell the comic and you haven't hired a fulfillment company. You have to make those whistles. Fulfillment. Or buy them and what are you talking you about about fulfillment? That's not how it works. How it works well, is you give your money, they reach their goal, and two years later you get your product. Yeah, that's it. See, and that's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> Honestly, the most successful Kickstarters I have seen, and there are some outliers out there, like the guys who did black. You know, their <sighs> book wasn't created. They did have a plan, however. People don't think they had a plan. They did have a plan. But the book wasn't written or drawn before they did their Kickstarter. I didn't but what know that. people don't but what people don't know is they were advertising for that Kickstarter a year before they started. I remember coming out of Comic Con in twenty fifteen, looking down on the ground and saying, What is that? Somebody had spray painted, What if only super what if only black people had superpowers? Mm. And we were running around the building trying to figure out who Spray painted these things. Mm -hmm. it, they had a street team do it. Wow. And they would drop things online well over. So by the time it was a little bit like Black Panther, by the time they dropped the Kickstarter for Black for day one, people were looking for it. Yeah. Um, they hit also, their goal in like three days or something crazy, didn't they? Yeah, they hit it in like about a week or so. And the thing is, but the other thing is, Three of the guys that are on the black team yeah. all come from marketing and comic book companies. Kwanzaa wow. Sajifo did marketing for DC. Mm -hmm. um, Jamal Eigel does uh, marketing right now for, oh, goodness, it's either Top Cow or Action Comics. I can't remember which. Mm -hmm. Like they all have marketing backgrounds, so not only the artists and writers, but they know the business. Mm. So like they knew they could contact Washington Post and be like, run my article about my Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Like they already had those contacts. Wow. So the biggest piece of advice I'd give for anybody who's crowdfunding anything is your the day you start your crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. is the end of your first phase of marketing. You know how you they say in martial arts, you got to work up and get your black belt. Once you get your black belt, then you can really start training. Yeah. 
Wow. That's how it is. So the mistake people make, the main mistake people make is starting their Kickstarter on the day that the Kickstarter actually physically starts. Okay. You should be like researching your clientele. Like I have one guy who, who I was like, okay, so who are you marketing your comic to? And he's like, uh, you know, black and Latino kids between the ages of, you know, 18 and 25. I'm like, great. Is that your audience? He's like, yup. And I went on Facebook in 15 minutes and between Facebook and Twitter and I looked at his audience. I said, no, it's not your art. Your, your audience right now is black men between the ages of 28 and 40, 45. So I said, you're, you're marketing your audience is their parents, which isn't a problem, but it means you have to shift. The, the reason why you're not making any traction is because your, your audience is the parents and not the kids. Mm. So people also have to be realistic about, about their audience. And they, there's simple tools and there's really complicated tools on how to like read your audience and how to figure out where they are and how to, it's not just about getting followers. Anybody can buy followers, but that's not going to sell a comic. Mm-hmm. Like I know plenty of people with like over 80,000, a hundred thousand followers on Twitter that are just trying to make ends meet. Like, so what I'm, what I'm hearing to, from you, what I'm hearing from you is that a lot of creators out here are like, uh, Peter Parker in homecoming. He got, <laughs> he got goggles. He got the stocking cap. Y- you know what I mean? He got the yep. underoos and sneakers and you walk in like, uh, Tanya Stark and say, you know what? You need to, you need to upgrade systematic top to bottom. That's basically what you're telling me. Yeah, basically. Wow. And also, but also to reevaluate because I'm not saying the concept is there, mm-hmm. but, and just because you've been dreaming of building this comic for 10 years mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're ready to do it. Mm. And, and like I said, the other thing that people get wrong in, in a lot of these crowdfunding campaigns is, when you're done, you have to be sure, like you have to set realistic dates. If your Kickstarter ends on July 5th mm-hmm. and you haven't finished, like you haven't started the comic, stop telling everybody they're going to get it on August 5th. It's not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to get it a month later. They shouldn't get it two years later either. Yeah. But they should, exactly. They should be. But I still haven't read that comic. I was so pissed well, here's, off. Well, here's the other problem also. A lot of our people need to be educated on how crowdfunding works. Many times you are not going to get what you put your money down for until you take the exit survey. People ain't checking their emails and are not doing the surveys. And until you do that survey, it won't release the comic or the perk because your address has to be put in at the time you do the survey. I thought they got my address when I gave them the money. No, they didn't. They got what? your email address. By a law, they're not supposed to get your your basically your shipping address. Mm. Okay. It's one thing if you have it tied to your PayPal account. That's one thing. But not, most of these you have to pay with credit cards. Okay. Also, you could have moved. So they gotta verify. They gotta verify that that address is All there. Right. So that that exit survey. That's All what right. that's for. So there's a lot of people out there going. I never got my comic. It's like, well, did you check your email? Did you check to see whether or not? They, like Kickstarter contacted you. Right. Like, I think we also have to educate our audience when the Kickstarter is over. You have to be like, all right, now listen, you need to be checking your inbox because when, or, or the week before it's supposed to come out, mm-hmm. check your inbox. We're sending out those surveys. You've got to fill this out. If you want your stuff, people don't do that. Mm. Okay. 
So that that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff I try and help people um, navigate. I think the other thing that people also forget is there's a lot of people out there. Like unless you're making a unless your art is incredible or your concept is incredible, there's like you know thousands of people trying to make their comic book yeah. out there every day, and not all of them succeed. The people on Kickstarter that that make money pretty much instantly are like the guy who has a 3D printer. Caramel. To make caramel. yes, caramel, caramel. Is the market saturated? A little bit. This this black sci-fi indie fantasy moment that we're in is it? Oh, oh is no, it no, that's not that's not saturated. I thought you meant Kickstarter. Oh like, no, 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 no. People no, no, always no. going to need money. No. Yeah, no, but I mean, black folks trying to kickstart comics—that is starting to get very saturated. Oh, but there's okay. a way. There is a way to do it if you already have your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I ask is because, you know, I remember, you know, I had a pl- the privilege of interviewing uh, Daoud Anyebwile, you know, mm-hmm. from Brother Man and uh, and um, Roosevelt Pitt from Purge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, those guys were from the first what I consider the first uh, black the arts renaissance. Exactly. Yeah, I was yeah, back like- in Philly. During that time, you know what I mean? And I right. remember walking into the Black Expo and feeling like I was in another fucking world. Yep. yep. I, I go down there, escalator, it's just black families. Everybody was like 20, 30 something, you know, with, with locks and it was sculpture and it was the shea butter and it was the food. Right. So and it was shea the, butter everywhere and incense. <laughs> Gotta be freaking incense and myrrh. But people was go. making money. People was branding potato chips, the whole bit. It was just popping. And then after a couple of years, it, it kind of like evaporated. And so right. one of the reasons why, you know, I can't, because I used to do podcasts about politics, to be honest with you, you know, calling Palestine when Israel is bombing the hell out of them and, and talking Uh-oh. to different people like that. But I, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm living long enough where this moment is coming around again, you know, is, is there, you know, somebody who could kind of chronicle and kind of, you know, put the word out and let people know what's happening and maybe even link up people, you know, to, you know, to make it last, you know, to Mm -hmm. maybe we can get some institutions out of this, maybe something, you know what I mean? So I guess what I'm saying is this, this moment that we're in right now, black Panther is showing us in my opinion, one, obviously black Americans, you know, African Americans in in particular trendsetters. If you ever doubted it, then, you know, you you should be a believer by now Two, Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, this black sci-fi uh, vibration has an international audience. The reason why I brought up uh, Daoud is because they were sending Brother Man comics to Japan. Well, no, it's funny that you it's funny that you say that, because the two things are, yes, there is still an audience. And yes, there is definitely a market for it. And right now, even people who haven't read comic books have gone to see Black Panther and it's like, I want more of this. Where can I get more of this? Right, right. That's why I keep telling everybody, if you have an independent comic or book or story or something in speculative, me- speculative arts or media, get your book together, get your, you know, uh, press packet together, get your, basically get your shit together mm-hmm. so that you can, you're ready when they come knocking because they're looking. Like I, I do, I do a podcast every week with um, Sci-Fi called Who Won the Week. I have mentioned people there. I have literally had people, like business people, stop me in the halls and go, "Hey, listen, I heard about that comic you talked about this morning. Has anybody optioned that?" Wow. I, 
I'm not like people are looking for this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have your stuff together, they'll literally just take it from you. And that but but the other thing is you were you said something that I was going to say also tied to the Indiegogo and um, independent comic book uh medium i get very frustrated sometimes when i talk to people and they're like yeah man these people i'm getting i'm gonna just quit i'm getting off of facebook because they're not really understanding my art and i'm like so let me get this straight 15 people on on, on facebook said they don't like something and so you're gonna quit Mm. that that doesn't make any sense to me since the internet is the planet you know what i mean and and just like you said dawood was selling his um art to japan there's people there's people that are selling their comic books their mangas in japan in korea in excuse me in in europe in south america there's people like i have i i have a contingent of people who follow my youtube channel from brazil i asked one one of my followers asked me if they could translate some of my blog posts into portuguese and now i have like brazilian followers oh that is dope that is so so boss but we don't think about that when mm-hmm. we're doing our videos. How about translate them into like the three languages that are spoken across the diaspora, French, Spanish. And I mean, if you can't Swahili, that's tough, <laughs> but at least, at least French and Spanish, because those are spoken from the Caribbean to Africa. Mm-hmm. Like we don't think about doing stuff like that because we're still trying to impress the girl or the guy across the street or across the hall in high school. Mm-hmm. Like even, even in our, like, middle age we're still trying to do that so everybody keeps trying to talk to this person over here i was speaking to somebody very recently who has a great little comic that stars a little uh latin girl and he was like i'm trying really hard to get my stuff into comic book shops and it's not working i said why are you trying to get your stuff in the comic book shops he said because that's where the money is i'm like is it though because mm. there's a bunch of Latin mommies on with <laughs> clubs that are on Twitter right now looking for another book to read for their kid. Oh wow! That they could put that if they had their book, they would shut. They could give them to the kids, and they would be quiet while they're on their way to Abuela's house. Mm. We don't think like that. We're still thinking, I want to be where I saw Superman or Spider-Man. Why? So, so then the question becomes. Do you have packages? Because you're dropping a lot of game. It's obvious you know what you're talking about. It's it's obvious that you can you know help somebody who has a you know who's been struggling you know to create that awareness and, and that you could you know you can help them take their uh, you know the enterprise to the next level. So like, how do they engage with you? You know, um, you know, is there like a, a set of services that you offer like newbies? You know, you know, how, how does that happen? What, what that, does it take to reach out to you? That is coming. Well, you can always get, I mean, I get mail on Twitter. So you, <laughs> you can always follow me. Well, a lot of people know me as the Burr Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-T-G-U-R-L. But, um, you can also obviously follow me, um, especially the, for business stuff. I have a Facebook and Twitter page for Thailand Creative. And on Twitter, it's Thailand, T-I-Y-L-A-N-D, Creative, C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And it's just Thailand on Facebook. Um, and you can also go to Thailand.com, um, and get on the mailing list there. The website will be launching soon. Um, but what I, what there, there will be packages, mm-hmm. but what there also be more of, um, are classes. Okay. So there'll be online courses that you can take. So there'll be like a Twitter course or there'll be a launching, you know, your Kickstarter course. Um, 
there'll be things like that that I will be offering people. And I won't be just offering it by myself. I will also be having them with people who have had successful Kickstarter or successful publishing company, et cetera. Okay. And then I also want to be able to show some of the business stuff that people need to be doing also because the concept of being an independent contractor for somebody who has a full-time job at health insurance and things like that is kind of scary. Sure. Um, but I know plenty of people who've done it, plenty of people who've raised their kids and are fine. Mm-hmm. And kids fall down and hurt themselves and have to be taken to the doctor all the time. And they're still standing. They're not bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I think, again, though, this is not about um, I have this idea and I just want to start it. I don't know where I'm starting. This is I have this book this concept, this, this thing that I've built, this business that I've built, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to really reach more people. Um, that's really the clientele that I'm, um, looking for, but there's going to be a really big launch, uh, not too long from now. Trust me, you will know, I will let you know. Um, and everybody will be able to see like all the things. Um, and then I will also, for people who really don't, you know, where whose budget is tight, I will have. I still have um regular. You got layaway. Pay- you got layaway, uh, Carmen. You got layaway. No, I, I, no, no, no. There's free information <laughs> that I will be putting out for like okay. just the basics that people can learn. Um, you know, and and or if they're not quite there yet, they can see what they need to um get to. Okay. It is definitely coming. But the um, if anybody does want consultation. That it like literally an hour just to pick my brain. Yeah. That is fifty an hour with a two hour minimum. Okay. Okay. So you just want to start there and go. I don't know what I need. I have this, but I don't know what I need to do. Um, and I do have people that I can give as reference who I've spoken to in the past. If you know, people don't trust people. <laughs> no, I <laughs> mean I think that's reasonable <laughs> because uh, you know I'm I'm finding out creating content is not enough. You know what I mean? Create content is you. You could always in, improve the quality and, and the whole thing, but uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, no, fifty percent. Like actually, thirty percent of your time should be spent creating the content, uh-huh. and the other seventy percent it needs to be spent promoting it. Okay. Otherwise, nobody knows you're there. Yeah, you can build the best widget in the world, but if nobody knows you exist, nope. So uh, wow, listen. Uh, Kamra, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's it's wonderful to talk somebody to talk to somebody who has as much or a little bit more energy, uh, you know, what I mean, than <laughs> I have. It's, it's it's wonderful. So, um, you know, you definitely provide a service, you know, to this uh this little you know, uh, comic book uh, sci fi community and everything. And uh, I wish you every success. Well, thank you. I I really believe that a rising tide. The rising tide raises all boats. So if I can help somebody, they can help somebody else. Um, then we all win. And I can take a nap. <laughs> <laughs>